Hey guys, welcome to the FBU podcast. We are back with another episode without just me. And remember, as I've said, I have 1,700 people a day emailing me to get on and be a guest of the FBU podcast. And I say no to everybody. And I was recording the podcast all by myself. And it got to the point where it's like, oh, I got a little lonely. So I brought on a few guests, but the guests are not the random 1700 people that are emailing me to get on the podcast. The guests are people that I've invited on that have had success in my community of gym owners. And I'm inviting them on to have them share their successes and also the things that they've done to take their business uh, to the next level. So that's what this series of podcasts is about. Um, and we have a really, really awesome guest today that I've been really excited about talking to. Uh, this is Tony Biancino from Outrun Your Fork Personal Training in Garwood, New Jersey, only about 20 minutes away uh, from where I am in, in Berkeley Heights. Uh, and Tony has an incredible story that he's going to tell us today about where he was and where he is now. And uh, this is inspiring. Buckle your seatbelt and get ready uh, for this story. But Tony, thanks for coming on. Hey, you know, thanks for having me. I tell you what, I've been listening to your podcast uh, for at least a year and a half now. And being on the other end is actually really, really cool. So I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Oh, that's great. Um, so Tony, you've been, you know, in the mastermind uh since since covid right you're in the mastermind you know during covid 19 um but we started working together uh before that i believe was it 2018 that we started working together yeah december 2018 december of 2018 and um you know you were in a much different position then than you are now and um you know there's been a lot of people that i've worked with that have had transformations there's been never anything close to the transformation that you guys are about to hear about. And Tony, one of the things I love, he's a great storyteller. He's a great speaker. Um, so I told him I want the full gamut of the full story. Uh, so this is going to be a treat. Uh, but Tony, tell us, you know, what was going on in your world in, in 2018. Yeah. So um, I can tell full stories. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to chip away at it. And if you want me to uh, elaborate on anything, just let me know. So uh, we actually moved from Garwood to Westfield two years ago. Uh, so we've been in Westfield for a while, right on North Ave. It's a great location. Uh, but 2018, you know, I left corporate. So I've been doing training 34 years and uh, I left corporate in 2011 and kind of banged around a little bit. And in 2014 or 13, I decided I want to get back into training. 2014, 15, I decided I wanted to do it on my own. We sublet and I just couldn't, get, you know, I worked hard and I knew what I was doing as a trainer, but I knew there was like 10%. I've always said this. There was, there was 10% of what I was doing that wasn't right. And I knew if I got that 10% right, it would have made it a, a lot of difference. And I knew it had to do with, you know, our marketing and, and what we were doing to attract clients. At the time, if we signed up five new clients in a month, I was like over the moon, you know, our rates were, were fair for the time, but that was the biggest thing we did. And we were suffering. So, you know, my wife and I didn't spend a lot of money. Uh, I left corporate and uh, we had a lot of money. We had a couple of million dollars between assets and cash in the bank and all that good stuff. And we burned through it in a decade, less than a decade. 
um, we fell on some hard times. I got some injuries and, you know, my wife didn't work because we have a, an autistic daughter who needs full-time care. And, you know, we do have another son who's typical and you know, he needs a little help too, right? So I wound up burning through all of that every dime. Uh, we weren't going on vacation and buying stuff. It's not like we were extravagant, um, but we burned through that pretty quick. Uh, and then we racked up some debt because I didn't want to dip into my 401k. I didn't want to dip into the cash, uh, but we had to. And if you take a look at it, um, kind of to get a scope of it, the reason why we went through like our retirement so quick is we're not retirement age. So Vince, when you take out money from a retirement fund early, you're getting taxed at what your tax bracket is. And that money you take out increases your tax bracket mm-hmm. by whatever that money is. So if you take out 100,000, your tax bracket, you're going to be paying about 30% in, in uh, taxes. So that brings it down to only 70,000 and you pay a, a 10% penalty on the original, not the leftover net. That's another mm-hmm. 10. So really you're getting 60,000 for every 100,000. It's like the market crashed and you mm-hmm. pulled all your assets and you cashed out. So we lost all that. We started using credit cards because I didn't want to fall behind on any bills. We paid our mortgage, even through all this, our mortgage was up to date. Uh, property taxes were up to date. We didn't miss any of the credit card bills, but I was robbing Peter to pay Paul constantly. Uh, the credit cards racked up at 30%. It, it was insurmountable. It grew at such a rapid pace. It was ridiculous. So by 2018, we were creeping up on a million dollars in personal credit card debt, which is Jeez. just horrible. You know, I got a family to feed. We were, we were really bad off. I was feeding my family on $620 a month in groceries. That's it. All right. So that, that's where we were spending money. Uh, I, I don't know how I did. You know, I'd open up the circular. And circle things and say, all right, you know what? Macaroni's on sale this week. Beans are on sale this week. And we buy as much as we could. And that's what we lived on. Peanut butter and jelly was like a luxury, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. fast forward 2018. Now, my wife had seen some of your ads. She saw some of your ads back in like March, April of 2018. And I had been through a few different coaches and paid money for all different stuff. And we didn't have money. So she said to me, oh, this guy popped up. Take a look. She sends it to me. I think she saw it on Facebook or Instagram. And I was like, uh, you know, the only thing I thought was another shyster. I'm not doing this again. <laughs> I didn't do it. And it popped up again in August, uh, October of 2018. She said to me, I really feel good about this guy. And I'm like, ah, you know, whatever. So your, your six-week client surge was coming up. And I was like, all right, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I scraped up a couple of bucks um, and did it. A few weeks into it. So it was like December or November 2018. And then January 5th came. I had a really bad injury. So I've had a bunch that kind of sidelined me. This one messed up my, uh, the, the discs in my spine from C4 to C7. They collapsed on my spinal cord and really jacked up my spinal cord. My left side was paralyzed. And I actually dialed into the surge from the hospital. You know, I'm sitting there in a neck brace, all jacked up, you know, doped up, whatever they yeah. did. And I'm like, I was desperate. So I was going to do anything I could. So, you know, we got through that and, and I got some really good actionable items and it took it took a good nine months for me to get my head back together and, and start to be able to work because I would work for an hour and I'd be exhausted. So 10 days after the surgery, I had to go back to training. I, I didn't have anybody working with me except my head trainer who's doing like five hours a week at the time. So I went back to the gym. If I fell, I break, you know, I break whatever they put in. I'd be totally paralyzed. I was desperate. And through time, you know, we, we started to work more. But in September, I started to implement. I was really able to implement the things I learned from the surge. Um, and we were only making like five, 6,000 a month, which is horrible. Uh, but when I implemented in September, we started getting more leads by January. So within three months, we hit 14,000, which was a record for us. 
And I was like, oh my God, hun, because I always told her if we make 10,000 a month, we could start paying off the debt, right? So I said to her, oh my God, honey, I was like, you know, we did 14,000, this is the start, it's happening, it's happening. And then March, I mean, February, it dipped a little bit, you know, 12, and that's okay, because usually you got a reach goal, you hit a peak, you come back down a little, and, and then you could start going back up, right? It's, it's, it's like fat loss, it's not linear, perfectly linear. So March, COVID happened, right? Every, and I decided to shut down a week before everybody so I can, you know, I, I didn't want to get anybody sick, I was afraid. So it was a really tough decision because we were so broke um, and I was shutting down. It's like, you want to talk about fear and I know this, I am always, even to my detriment, I'm always going to do the right thing. What's the right thing? Character, integrity, you know, customer excellence and um, uh, what is it? Customer focus and excellence. Those are our, our four core values, right? So I always did the right thing, even if it was to my detriment. Uh, so anyway, we closed down. You called me right away and said, hey, Tony, I want to help you out. And I wasn't part of Mastermind yet. Uh, I want to help you out. Join the Mastermind. And that's how I got through COVID. By working with you, by working with the team, if it wasn't for that, I, I don't know where I'd be. You know, COVID finished. Um, we got a, we signed a lease at the end of 2018 for the first time ever. We got our own place and we had no cash. We had nothing, nothing for the deposit, nothing for equipment. We had, and we had no equipment. We had nothing. So I took a hard money loan out. Now, if you don't know what a hard money loan is, you know, folks listening to this, a hard money loan is basically legal loan sharking. You take out a loan and you got to pay back 200% within six months. So we took a hard money loan for 14,000 and it was 9,900 for the deposit on the place for the you know, first three months. And we had 4,100 left. And within six months, I had to pay back 28,000 uh, or else they come after, I don't know, my house. So, <laughs> so everybody's like, what are you doing? How are you going to do it? And I'm like, I don't know. So we just, <laughs> we just jumped in and did it because you know I'm the guy that jumps off the cliff and then asks how high it is. So we got that and uh, COVID actually saved us in a way because we were able to get an emergency loan of 30, uh, $32,100. Uh, we were able to buy equipment, open up in September of 2020. Um, you know, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about, you know, our, our growth achievements from, from then to now, but, you know, there's the story and, uh, it's been two years now. And by, by this may coming up. So in another five months, we will have paid off every dime to every credit card without, without any forgiveness. We paid off all of the interest and all of the principal by next May. That's pretty amazing. Wow. What? I, I want to scale back to, you know, the time that you were actually saw close to a million dollars in debt. Like what, not to stir up any emotion for you, but yeah, that is just fine. like, yeah. I mean, but if you think about it though, you know, like so my daughter came home last night and she was crying about something and it was so stupid. And she was crying about the gift she got at her dance class, right? And, you know, one of our core values as a family is be grateful. And I went and I had to talk with her and I had the hard talk with her. So I said, honey, I love you, but I'm going to be honest with you. What you're crying about is complete bullshit. And um, what you need to do is be grateful for what you have. And I do think, Tony, that there are a lot of people that, are freaking out about really small things. And you come to the table with not just your million dollars in debt, but you have an autistic daughter 
right? That takes a lot of your time and energy and effort. And it's just the fact that you always had such a positive mindset through this whole thing, because I watched you through the whole thing. Um, and I knew how bad it was, but I also knew that you showed up to the calls and you had a smile and you had a sense of humor. Um, tell us like how you were able to do that, to almost create and, and maintain a level of positivity through what would just seems like the most crippling experience that would cripple almost any person. To yeah, have that kind it, of debt. So it's a great question. There were so many things weighing on us, but you know, I mean, at the end of the day, there, there was. Uh, I just don't know how to stop. I mean, because because here's the question: What's the alternative? The alternative was for my family to. I don't know what would happen to them. And I love my family, and I was the only one that could do something about it. Literally, the only one. I don't know anybody that would work as hard as me and not quit. You know, uh, that that scene in in uh, Rocky Balboa. The, the first one, it was just about him where he comes out of retirement and fights that, that guy that was the champion, right? And he's got his son there. And he said to him, it's not about how hard you get hit. It's about how hard you could get hit and keep going. It wasn't always easy. There were times I wanted to run away. There were times when I broke down, you know, I, I was, the stress was incredible. Um, but one of the things that helped me is, is, and I've been doing this for a while, is one of the things you teach us, and that's about reading, uh, you know, some kind of uh, positive book, you know, a positive mental attitude book. Uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, your books were awesome. That's what started to teach me, right? Uh, but the focus, you know, uh, think and grow rich, uh, how to win friends and influence people, how I raised myself from failure to success through selling, right? Um, these are all great. Frank Bechter. Yeah, dude, Betcher, right? You bet your life. <laughs> so, I mean, all these books were so instrumental and I read and I read and I read and I read and I just kept showing up every day, just show up every day, just show up every day. And what it comes down to is, is, I don't know how to quit because I want what's on the other side. I have to. I didn't see an alternative. And the other thing is, what's the point of being miserable and suffering? Right? Yeah. Why, why, why wake up in the morning and suffer? I didn't want my kids to know how broke we were and how bad it was. I tried to keep everything together so my wife didn't have to worry and suffer as much. You know, so what's the point? I always say, what's the point? If you're not having fun, what's the point? So that's, that's kind of it, you know? And then, it, you know, with the group, it was, you know, I saw people doing well. And I, I had the first conversation I had with you in 2018 before joining the CERT, you gave me three actionable items on that 30 minute phone call that I knew that if I didn't, it was like, wow, this guy's not full of baloney. This guy's not a shyster. He just gave me three things that I could do. Whether I joined the surge or not, I, I paid you like what, 10 bucks for the two books that included shipping, you know, right? Whatever it was best money I ever spent. And I knew that I could start to implement them. And that gave me a little hope. Um, you were a unique person. I never met somebody uh, coach-wise. I've had a lot of coaches. I never met a coach that was as generous, as genuine as you. And I relate to that because that's the way I am. And iron sharpens iron. So having you there, having the other people in the group to learn from, that's one of the things that started to give me hope um, and then, you know, putting it into action, but yeah, it wasn't easy. So I, I want you to share some of the things you've done, um, to have the success you've had. Now, what we got to do first is talk about that success, right? So we've given you, we've, Tony's done a pretty good job of painting the picture of the before, 
seven figures of debt, mountains of stress, um, injuries that literally, you know, would have, uh, I, I do, you, you didn't talk about the one point where they said, Hey, you can't train people. And if you make a wrong move, you're going to be paralyzed. And that didn't even stop you. And you were training people when you shouldn't have been training people because you could not. Um, so th- th- that was where you were. Um, where is, where are you today? Well, so when we opened in September of 2020, just to paint that picture of where we were and where it came from, uh, we had 25 clients and we had about 5,000 a month in revenue um, within 18 months. Now understand it was just me and a part-time trainer. Uh, my wife hadn't even come on board yet to start working with us. Uh, we went from 5,000 a month to 65,000 a month in 18 months. And that's just because I have a huge capacity to work. I worked 120 hours a week. And, and I want you to remind me to come back to that for people that are new or looking to make the change and make a transition uh, to becoming a business owner uh, and not just somebody that owns a job, right? So uh, our members increased from 25 to 150 in 18 months. Uh, we, I reduced my floor hours, right? From 50 to four, I was doing 50 hours a week and now I'm doing four. Um, we had two price increases within six months because I've never had a problem with just testing the waters and seeing how high we could go. Uh, profit went, it was at 70% at that point. Um, and I'll talk about this when you ask some of the challenges. Uh, but essentially, I started hiring staff, you know, and, and today, well, again, we'll talk about some of that after. Today, we're sitting on uh, a $320,000 in profit without, you know, before that's backing out my salary. Right. And before my wife and I are going to get yelled at by my accountant that we have to take out more money. And I was just telling you before, I don't know what to do with it. So I'm going to use my investment banking background and start to invest it. But uh, like, I don't know. I, I want to say I said one time I was I said to my wife, I, I don't want the money. And she goes, don't say it. You'll lose it. You know, you get what you speak. Um, but now we're you know, we took seven weeks of vacation this year. I'm going out with my family for me spending money, uh, you know, for experience is the most important thing. I, I'm not the car guy. I'm not the house guy. I'm not, you know, the, the fancy clothes guy. I'm just not, it means nothing to me, but going and taking my kids places and going to see my parents twice this year, they're in North Carolina when I couldn't see them when they really need my help, uh, means a lot. So, uh, we got, we're going to hit 750,000 total revenue this year. We're at a pretty darn good profit. Um, but the quality of life for me has gone up. I'm not at work at 120 hours anymore. I'm working about 60 hours a week, which, you know, includes floor time and all the things I should be doing as a CEO. And as we hire more people, I could even reduce that, you know, because we just made a big transition. But that's where we're sitting right now. I'm in a much better place. I'm starting to take care of my health and, you know, more on that after. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, happy. I'm pretty calm. And I definitely have the lowest heart rate in the room. Oh, boy. Very good. Very good. Um, so that's a a big transformation that's like probably one of the biggest like if i look to you know many people have had a lot of financial growth and success in our group but no no one has the story that that you have the the amount of pain that you're going through and the amount of success that you're feeling um today is is incredible let's talk about business and, you know, there's GM owners listening to this that may be in a similar spot. Hopefully that no one's in a similar spot. Like I, I often say that you, you hold the award 
for the most amount of personal debt of anyone that I've ever even heard of, right? <laughs> Without gambling, right? It's just like just paying off your mortgage is 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 what did it. Um, but I, I talk about some of the things, tactical things that that people can take away from from what you did to go from twenty five clients, you and one part time trainer to. I mean, you brought your team here the other day. There's like eight people on the staff now. You got full timers. Um, it's a it's a it's a legitimate, really strong business that you're running. Um, and at you know what you mentioned, I think before the call, like close to you know ninety thousand dollars a month, you know, in, in revenue, which is ridiculous. Um, what are some of the things, the top things that you can pinpoint have helped you? Um, achieve uh, this kind of success. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So I want to I want to talk for ha- a couple of seconds or a minute uh, about what happens when you're in growth phases, right? So in the beginning, it's just you, right? It was just me, and then it was me and and a part time coach. And we're you're able to grow revenue and grow a business and grow a certain number of clients up to a point when you hit your capacity, whatever that is. Every time there's that block. You know, for us, it was at $250,000 where I needed to take another step and have my trainer start to work a little more and, you know, change a couple of policies, processes. Uh, And I knew we'd hit another bump at around 500K, you know, 600K. Uh, And we did. So each time there's a, there's a pain point there where you're, you're forced to change things or you decide at that point that you're going to stay where you're at. Like, I like where I'm at, um, but you're still kind of working a lot. Right. So the challenge was. I was working 120 hours a week. The entire business was being run from my head. I knew everything. I knew when people's billing dates were. I knew what program they were on. I knew their kids' names, but that's not scalable. And for me, what I wanted, again, this is for somebody that wants to scale, have a life in addition to you know, income. Because it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep, right? Like you always talk about. So I had to get all that stuff out of my head. So the first thing we did is we decided, and, and clients were leaving. We got up to 150 clients and I was like, this is too much. It's not, we can't sustain this. Um, we weren't able to keep up with the promises that we made our clients. The quality of the soup got bad. The product wasn't as good as it could be. And that's one of the things we pride ourselves on. So I knew we had to fix all these different things. And the first thing I did said, you know, we're going to go in a holding pattern here. Okay. We're going to slow down to speed up. Uh, we were losing clients. Uh, and I knew that th- that quality had to be fixed. But the biggest part of it was was hiring the right people, putting the right people in the right seats. So number one, uh, when I joined the CEO, the first thing that happened is you guys gave me permission to hire people. The profits were at 70%. I was working like crazy. And every single person around that table said, Tony, you need to hire someone. You're making so much money. You need to hire some people. So I did. And, you know, me, I kind of do everything as, as, you know, grand, right? So I hired seven people in 90 days and that alone was a job you got onboard people again we didn't have policies for hiring people i barely had documentation to give them the kri kra so i did it all on the fly uh, and here i am with with you know nine people now working for me and they're all looking at me with big eyes because they believe the vision and growth and they're looking at me what do i do next and i'm like I don't know. So I had to learn how to like be a boss, be, you know, not just an owner of a business, but be a boss and, and delegate and all that stuff. So we started to build policies and procedures. 
Um, and that's a lot of stuff that I learned from the mastermind and the generosity of the example documentation that I got from you and all the tips that I got from the other mastermind members. So it was hiring staff. And then I had to learn how to manage the staff and not just manage the staff, but grow people. It's like a garden. You're planting seeds and you're growing seedlings and you need them to grow into bigger plants and trees so that one day you can either have those branches grow somewhere else and open more facilities or you know, open other businesses, but you're not gonna get that if you don't have the freedom and have other people running the show. And that's having the right people in the right seats, right? So identifying what that was, uh, policies and procedures, having that written down. It's a lot that I learned from you guys. Um, and then our marketing, I'll tell you the first thing I did. The very first thing I did was get a CRM, get a backend system that when a lead comes in, there were automatic processes, automatic processes that reminded me also, call this person on day one, on day eight, on day 15. Because if I didn't do that, there, there were all these people coming in and I wasn't following up. And that's, that's absurd, absurd. So yeah. having that bucket, that leaky bucket plug right there, that was the biggest change initially. And after that, we were, you know, more clients, more money. So it was hiring, it was policies, procedures. Uh, we transitioned a couple of other things. And then I wanted to pull out of the business, right? So how can I have people do what I did so that I didn't have to be attached and be the guy that they constantly look to and say, what do I do? No, no, you know what to do. You're allowed to and empower them, right? Um, some of the marketing tips that I learned from the, from the mastermind were, you know, set a marketing calendar for God's sakes, write down what you're going to do when, you know, <laughs> Imagine that. I was, I was doing squirrel marketing. Like you always talk about And for those that are new to the podcast, squirrel marketing is where, you know, it's like Friday and you're like, Oh my God, it's Black Friday. Let's put an offer together and throw it out there. Uh, you know, so that's the kind of thing I was doing constantly, always under the gun. Um, the other thing you taught me was when you have something that works, why don't you just repeat it? Yeah. And what would that, that what, would, what would I have to do then? Well, I would have to take those assets and store them somewhere, or at least for God's sakes, keep notes of what I did, maybe in the marketing calendar. <laughs> right. Yeah. So reusing the things that I did, like a Black Friday, I, I transitioned the Black Friday to also be a Mother's Day special. And it works really, really well. So all these things with setting the calendar, now that I have leads coming in and I have a marketing calendar, leads coming in from there, um, you know, what do I do with them? Well, plug the bucket, make sure that I'm following up the lead nurture. You know, what is it? 50% of the people that are going to buy with you buy in the first couple months and the rest buy after and the other total 50%. So you, Tony's referring to a study that I taught at master that last mastermind. And uh, out of a hundred people, this is based on research done by the data handling inquiry service. And out of a hundred people, 50 will buy, but only 15% of those 50 will buy in the first 90 days. The rest of the 85% buy in the first, uh, a uh, hundred months, right? So it's like, you know, a really long time that where you need what Tony was talking about, some kind of a follow-up system. So it's a hundred days and a hundred months. Sorry, sorry, 100 days, a hundred weeks, hundred days and hundred weeks. Um, so 15% buy in the first hundred days, 85% buy within 100 weeks. So it begs the question of why do you not have a really good long-term follow-up system um, that follows people until they buy? So that's what Tony's talking about. Yeah. So, I mean, we always talk about marketing. And I don't think enough people touch on that back end because uh, 
people run out and try to get new leads all the time. But then what happens to them? Are you following up? Are, 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 uh, what do you, you, you call it the uh, future bank, right? You know, having all of these clients owning your email list and having a future bank where you can actually uh, make money from people you know, later on if they don't buy right away. So, so some of the other, uh, some of the actual marketing tactics was a Black Friday special, right? So now we got the clients in. Joint ventures were something that I've always done. And I believe that they're great. See, remember back in the beginning, I had no money to spend on marketing. So I literally went to each of the towns around me, opened every single door, walked in and said, hi, I'm Tony. I own a personal training studio right around the corner. I like to work with you to help you get some more clients and in tandem, you can help me get some more. I think we have synergies, uh, synergies between our two businesses. Here's what I'd like to do for you. Would you let me do that? And then later on, they would turn around and do something for me. The second byproduct of what happened there that I didn't really anticipate was that everybody in the town got to know me, even though they didn't interact with me. They didn't like my Facebook posts. They didn't comment on my stuff. They didn't call me and stop by and say, oh my God, Tony, you're awesome. They didn't come to all the events. But as time went on, they started to remember us and they would message us and they would say, everybody's talking about you. Everybody says you're the place to go. And that's really what you want. So if you're in a small community like we are, like most small gyms are, right? You want the community to know who you are. So when you do pop up and you do show up, you know, whether it's Facebook marketing, your, your website shows up on a search because you got that right. Uh, you're the trusted source. They already know you, right? That's touch point number one. Um, so let's talk about some of those ancillaries too, right? Making sure that the website's optimized, a, a, that you have a website and that people interact, right? And that you have an optimized website so people can find you when they search. So it's, it's synergistic. If you just pay for Facebook marketing, it's not going to be that great. But when you have your, your electronic, you have your joint ventures, you have people that help you with emails, it's part of joint ventures. Um, so if somebody were to come to me, and say, Tony, I don't, you know, I don't want to spend any money on marketing. What's the best thing I could do? I tell them what you told me. Go do some joint ventures. And then we talk about who they would be. Somebody that has a market that is similar to what you want in your gym. Because for us, we don't, we don't train athletes. So for me to have like a, a 12U baseball program. Not yet. I heard you're going to be a grit licensee. <laughs> <laughs> well, I actually did have a couple. Of now, now that you have all this money, Tony, you can buy a license. Yeah. Well, you know me, man. I'll, <laughs> I'll invest everywhere to, to, to continue to grow. So, so yeah, so you, you talk about grit after, but you know, so anyway, make it synergistic. Um, emails, grow your email list. Your joint ventures will grow your email list. Uh, those are the two biggest things. And there's a lot of other free, um, maybe it costs a hundred bucks to get a table at a street fair again. Future Bank, building relationships with people in the community is tops. All the Tony, you, you mentioned something, you know, and you glossed over it like it was no problem. Um, but it is something that is probably one of the biggest challenges gym owners have. And you said you did it twice um, in terms of raising prices. Uh, talk about the impact that that had on your bottom line. And talk about the mindset that you had to have to be able to raise prices. And I believe you raised them on active members, right? No. You did not. We didn't have to because of attrition. Gotcha. Okay. So you raised them on um, just moving forward, mm -hmm. right? Um, 
that begs the question. Why don't we maybe I could turn this into a coaching session, Tony. Why don't we raise prices on the current members? <laughs> well, so I, it's funny because I just one of my members unsolicited mentioned to me, hey, you know, times are tough and, you know, inflation's up and people are making less money, but they also expect they want to support business and they expect that prices have gone up and you could get away with this percentage to that percentage on current members and this on new members. He goes, you know, I don't know if you mind me telling you this, but I figured that this is something you can't talk to members about. So I figured I'd give you a perspective. And I said, amen to that. Come January, everybody yeah. get the bump. Yeah. And, 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 you know, for that one person, there's about 40 other people that would be pissed off. But I think in, in terms of price raises, uh, it, it's a very emotional thing, right? We, we look at it and we think that oh, if we raise prices on our active members, that everybody's going to quit and no one's going to leave uh, and no one's going to stay. And um, the, the answer is just not there. But so you raised prices on uh, twice on members moving forward. What would, what did you do? How did you do that? You just I took out, I took out my rate sheet. Yeah, this is my famous how to raise your so prices. Did, so let, 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 I like to hear it. Let's hear you do it, Tony. So here's but what this I is learned. this is how you raise prices on new members moving forward. This is the strategy, the plan for success. Go ahead, Tony. Now you take your notebooks out because this is long. This is gonna take a while. Okay. <laughs> so here's what Vince taught me. He said, go into your hard drive. Open up your Microsoft Word document that houses your pricing sheet. Go into your prices, hit backspace, delete, and type in, raise the 10, you know, the zero to a five. Print that sucker out, you're done. So that's it. So really all we did was that. I just said, hey, anybody coming in, it's no longer this a session. I raised it five bucks a session. Um, and we weren't the low cost leader at that point either. Um, and then that worked. And six months later, I said, well, hey, Let's go for another five. Um, and once we hit that point, I, I, I think we were we were fairly priced because, you know, our model's a little yeah. bit different than most other people. Um, but it was that simple. And truth be told, for folks that have developed some really good relationship equity with their clients, your clients and clients in general will take a price increase. Uh, I, I don't know that you want to increase it every six months, right? But they will take a price increase. Um, they're, they're likely not to be upset with it. And if they are, it's going to be for like five minutes because you got to realize your clients aren't thinking about you 24 seven. And yeah. now's the time everybody's worried about a recession, but now's the time when everybody sees a price increase. And if it's like a two, three, 4% price increase, they're going to want to do that for you because they want you, they're going to say to you, some people will say to you, I need you to be here in a year from now. If you close up, I got nowhere to go. Right. So the psychology and fear that people are going to leave. I mean, you know, Vince, you've done the math and you could probably run through this if you'd like now, but for the amount of people that you lose, the few people you lose within the, a month or two, you're going to exceed the revenue you made because somebody yeah. just did that. Do you want, yeah. do you want to go over that now or? Yeah. The, the, yeah, the way I do it is, you know, I just, I, ha I have people almost come up with a gaudy number that they're going to lose. Like, I, I think I, I forgot who I was talking to the other day, but just like, uh, like, oh, they had a they had a ton of members, and I just said, let's say you you raise your prices by this much, and you lose one hundred members. I think this this gym had four hundred members, so let's say you lose twenty five percent of your members, and they had raised their prices to a point where even if they lost a hundred members, by the way they raised their price, the number that they raised their price, they would still be ahead even with a hundred member loss after the first month. 
Um, now, maybe in, in your case, if you lost that many members, it would take you a few months to get back. But I think it's, it's, it's important to just look at the actual math and estimate what you potentially would lose and, sh and share on the side of um, a higher number than what you think it would be. Um, but really, at the end of the day, when you add up the people that are paying the new amount, plus the people, the new people coming in at the new amount, um, a lot of times it's just a really good decision because usually the people you lose, you were going to lose anyway. And honestly, everyone you have now, eventually you're going to lose. If you really think about it, if attrition's at 3% and you have a hundred members, you're losing 36 of those members in a year anyway. And that's, if you're doing a damn good job in two years, that's 70, right? In three years, that's a hundred. So you've lost everybody in three years, pretty much. So you might as well raise their price now. You're going to lose them anyway. Yeah. And if your pricing structure isn't right, you have, you have to realize that if your pricing structure isn't right, you're not going to stay in business. And yeah. then where are they going to go? So a lot of times there's an emotional attachment we have to our clients. Why We care about them. That's why we got in business. And if you didn't get in business for that reason, shame on you, right? Yeah. But we got into business for that. So you have to remember that if you're no longer in business, where are they going to go? Yeah. You're, you're, you're not doing your clients justice. You're doing them a disservice by almost forcing them to go somewhere else if you have to shut your doors. So you have to think of being responsible to your employees, to your business, to yourself, and to your clients, and not increasing prices to a sustainable level, right? Maybe it's reducing expenses, but if you're not raising your price to a sustainable level, you're hurting everybody, including yourself. So don't yeah. be selfish. Now, very well said. Tony. And, um, you know, you've given a lot of value so far. I think the most value you've given is the story. Um, I know I get like choked up when I hear it and you've told it many times, but I still, every time you do uh, tell it, it's very inspiring and you inspire me you really. You do. And I know that you've, you always are talking so highly of me and as much as I, as much as I appreciate it, I'm also uh, inspired by you and what what you've done and the uh, the sense of humor that you've kept uh, throughout all of it. Um, so, Tony, I appreciate you. Um, it's it's pretty incredible, and I I I don't know if I even have to ask you this, but because um, I know what you're going to say, but I've been asking this to all the members I have um brought onto this podcast uh tony if an spf if someone was a gym owner that was listening to this that is in the month of december and they're thinking about getting some help with their business this year they want to grow this year they want to take it to the next level and they're like all right we did okay last year and we want to we want to we want to blow it up this year or we did crappy last year and i got to get it to get it going and um if someone, a gym owner that's thinking that is listening uh, to this and they're considering getting help uh, from us in the SPF Mastermind, um, what do you have to say to them? Yeah, I mean, you got to evaluate what you want to do. If uh, you want to stay where you're at, then SPF isn't for you. But if you're looking to, you know, wh whatever your goal is, if you're looking to make more money running your business, and even if you want to be a sole proprietor and work in it and have maybe one or two people in one location. Um, it's, it's the right move because you'll have a better quality of life. If you're somebody like me that worked a lot of hours, you're going to learn how to buy your life back. 
if you're somebody that wants to grow and actually have a business where you have quality of life, you have money coming in, you have clients that are happy, um, you're going to learn things here that you wouldn't have learned on your own. And the other thing you have to lean on is, is the other people in SPF, because I talk to people from, from the mastermind every week because they've done something I want to learn about. Now, I may not act on some of them because I'm already acting on others, got to prioritize, but the two things I'll say in, in wrap up are this, you won't find a more active group or a more generous and really intelligent leader, you know, as, as Vince is, you are always staying a step ahead of us. And that's what allows us to keep pursuing and keep learning. You know, I, the big key here is, you know, you still own a gym, you own a sports performance uh, business, you know, a sports performance gym as well. Uh, and then two other, two other businesses, right? So it's the relevance of still knowing what's going on in the industry today, what works for gym owners. And you don't just know it from your gym. It's like your testing ground. You don't just know it from that. You learn from other people and then share that with us. The amount of knowledge in, that, in, the, in the SPF, you'd be silly if you're looking to grow a business to not join. And I'll say one more thing, sorry. The investment. Some people are shy about making an investment. What would you say to a client that says they don't want to spend the money to get to the gym and they have high cholesterol, high blood pressure, uh, they have a, a, you know, a, a bunch of injuries, they're you know, unhappy, their energy's bad, and they're desperate. You know that you can help them. What would you say to that person? Now you got to turn around and say that to yourself, right? Because the price that you'll pay for, for entry to the SPF mastermind is peanuts compared to the value you get. Uh, so if you're thinking about it, there's, you know, Vince is always very generous. Um, I don't know if you could hop on a Zoom, but we're having a, uh, a quarterly mastermind call down in Orlando. So uh, not a call, a uh, session down in Orlando. So if you want to come down, Vince, I don't know, maybe I'm throwing this out and I'm not supposed to, but <laughs> maybe Vince will give you a, a pass to come. He's not going to pay for your airfare, but you know, maybe he'll allow you to come in, uh, but you can work out that with him and uh, get a taste for what it is. But it's the best decision that I've made in my professional career by far. Thank you, Tony. And if you like uh, to inquire about joining us, there's a link in the show notes. You can book a call uh, with us to talk about entry into the SPF Mastermind. Tony Bianchino, thank you so much for this conversation. I'm inspired by you. I appreciate you. And I congratulate you on your massive amount of success that you've had this year and will have in 2023. So thank you, Tony. Thanks, Vince. I appreciate everything.